Well, this month we have been in our Sunday school uh, adult study talking about the sign of the virgin. That, that scripture that is uh, a prophecy that was given in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself, not an angel, not a substitute, but the Lord himself. Sister Brown? Yes. Chris's class is to stay in here. Um, be, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Isn't it great that you can have God with you? Amen. Without him, I don't know. I would be hopeless. Paul said, if in this life we had only hope, if this was all there was, we could be like men most miserable. Because when you see the state of the world, when you see the state of some of the struggles you're going through, you could be like men most miserable. But I don't have hope just in this life. I have hope in the life to come. Amen. You know, I got a, a thing in the mail wanting me to purchase life insurance. And it says, this is the second time we're writing to you, Mr. Brownie. Don't you understand that uh, we, there'll be no medical check? You can. This is guaranteed from uh, whatever age you are to lady. I, I'm tempted to write them back. Well, I have a better policy. <laughs> it's real life insurance. <laughs> it doesn't end and finish at 80. If the Lord blessed me to live that long, it, it goes on beyond 80. It, it's an eternal life policy. Amen. Because he promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And in this study, we're looking at all of the things to do with his birth. We know that Christmas really wasn't when he was likely born, but we know he was born. Amen. Amen. And because he was born, we can still celebrate and give him praise. Amen. So in Isaiah here, there was a prophecy given to the prophet. It said, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Amen. The first week we, we spoke about the seed of the woman. Last week we spoke about saved in childbearing, and we'll be touching a little bit on that again today. Uh, because in the New Testament it's revealed to us something really special uh, that was not in the Old Testament, that the woman was deceived, but Adam was not. And that really gives us the type of Christ because it says that just as Jesus became sin for us, Adam took on Eve's sin in order, in a way, to save her, that she would be saved in childbearing because if there was no man, there could be no children. Amen. But we are this week going to look at the next part, which was is life in the blood. And then, God willing, uh, we're going to probably ended up with love like no other, and if we get to um, that Sunday, marriage supper, part five. So we, we'll see how far we get, but we're going to go right in. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 20, the writer of Hebrews is describing the change that happened when Jesus died. Before that, everyone lived under the law, and when you sinned, you had to bring an animal sacrifice. Hebrews 9.20 says, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. That means tied to us, brought to us. He's re relating what used to be in the Old Testament, that they would kill an animal and take the blood and sprinkle the blood as a covering. Verse 21, Moreover, the spring he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle, that means the, the tent of worship, and all the vessels were consecrated or covered with this blood. The vessels of the ministry and almost all things are under the law purged with blood. That's what it was saying is that if you had a sin, if you did wrong under the law, the old covenant, the only way you could uh, get rid of that or cover that temporarily was with an animal sacrifice. And we've taught a lot about that in the past. I'm going to touch on some of that today. So... The funny thing, though, about blood is that scientists have not been able to really duplicate it. They've tried very hard. They can do parts of blood, and that's why uh, they ask for blood donations. Because with all their scientific skill and wisdom, man has not been able 
to duplicate blood. Now they've been able to grow tissue in, in dishes. They can grow back all kinds of tissue. They can grow skin. Um, they can grow blood cells, but not in the sense of making a full um, plasma. They can make certain parts of it, but they cannot replicate blood. It turns out it's very hard to make blood. They've tried. It's extremely hard. It's, it's got hundreds, more than 300 different things inside the blood, and each one of them, some of them are in very, very minute quantities, like parts per million, but yet if it wasn't there, the blood doesn't work. It just goes to show you that there is life in the blood. You know, one of the first things that you, they do when they find someone unconscious is try to feel for what? The pulse, to see if the blood is flowing, because everyone knows once the blood stops flowing, once the heart stops flowing, then death is really in a matter of minutes or even less than that. Because the life is in the blood. And it was a revelation to me when I really realized what God was saying when he says in Leviticus, I've given you the blood as a covering, an atonement for the life is in the blood. And in the Hebrew, that word is nefesh. In other words, it is the soul. You know, we used to think or, or we may have imagined that our soul was somewhere up in our brain. But according to the Bible, it's actually in your blood. It's your blood. And that's why, that's why there has been such a prohibition in the Old Testament and in the New Testament from eating or drinking blood. Even in the New Testament, we're forbidden from things strangled. That is, if you know something was killed and the blood was not drained, the, the Gentile church was told they're not to eat it. Now, Paul went on to say, listen, if you're invited to a meal and you don't go asking how this animal was killed. <laughs> you bless it and you eat it. But if you know, then you're not supposed to eat it, even in the New Testament, because the blood was given for a covering for the soul. And so we're going to look at that, the life that's in the blood. And there's some very interesting things that we're going to look at today. Leviticus 17.11, here's the scripture. For the life, and in the Hebrew it's nefesh, and it means soul. For the soul of the flesh is in the blood. That's a revelation science doesn't know. Science doesn't know that. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement. In the Hebrew, the word is kafar. It means a covering. That's what covers. That's what covers for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Amen. Now, as I've taught before, the blood was not the first covering that God created. We were covered with the glory of God. When man was created, he was covered with God's glory. That's why the Bible said he was physically naked, but didn't know it. You know, didn't know it. If you're looking at a very bright light, you can't see anything else. Did you know that? Uh, you can't, if, if there's a headlight shining right in your eyes, you can't see nothing else. That's why the scripture says that, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Not the scripture, the song. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's why it says looking unto Jesus. If we're really looking unto Jesus, the other things will disappear because you can't see anything else. Isn't that awesome? That when we truly look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith, we can make it. Because we can't see the other things that are there. Amen. But the blood was not the first covering. The first covering I've taught was God's glory. Amen. When in, uh, in John, Jesus took his three disciples up the mountain, he revealed himself. The Bible says his clothing turned as white as snow. And he, his face shone like the sun. They couldn't look at him. He was revealing what a son of God looks like. Do you understand that's where we're headed back to? That God is going to let his glory one more time come into us. The scripture tells us, for the glory that shall be revealed in us. Amen. It doesn't really matter what you look like right now. You're going to be covered with the glory of God. You're going to be covered with a garment that no man can buy. That is finer than the finest uh, silk. Amen. Covered with the glory of God. That was the first covering that man was given. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed 
into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Amen. So the breath of life, do you see that? Living soul is using the same word, nefesh, which later the blood covers. But in the original, the breath of life is what covered. God's very word, God's Shekinah glory was what covered mankind. And that's why we were supernatural. That's why we didn't die. That's why Adam had no expiration date. Amen. When you go in the fridge, I don't know about you, but sometimes you check that milk date, right? Let me see. <laughs> oh, it's got a couple more weeks to go, right? The worst thing is you grab it and you start drinking it and then you go, mmm. You look at it, what, what date is that? <laughs> There's nothing worse than, but Adam had no expiration date. He was created a son of God, as I taught uh, Tuesday, which was the son of Seth, which was, sorry, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of God. I'm telling you today, that's where God is directing us. The sign of the virgin is that God is going to dwell with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I looked at the end of the book and we win. Amen. You know, you know, in a novel, sometimes you're anxious if the hero's going to make it. And you go to the end of the book to see what happens before you read the book. Well, I've looked at the book and we win. It says in Revelation, And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, adorned as a bride, descending out of heaven. And it goes on to say, And God's dwelling place, God's tabernacle, is going to be with his children. Amen. That's the end of the book. That's why I'm not giving up. That's why I'm still fighting. But to go back to our study, God originally covered us with his glory. Amen. A glory that is going to be revealed. The Bible says when we see him, we shall be like him. So it doesn't really matter what you look like. The world may think you're not special. You're, you're nothing to be uh, looked at. In fact, about Jesus, it said that he was comely. There was nothing to be desired about him. But you know, when they're on the mountain, all they could see was the Shekinah glory. They couldn't see what he looked like in the flesh anymore. Amen. We need to put our eyes upon Jesus. As the song says, look full in his face. Then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. That's what we should be looking for. Amen. So God covered us with his glory. And most of this is, is, is review. You've all heard me teach this before. But you know how we learn? By repetition. Amen. John 6, 63 tells us this. It is the spirit that quickeneth, that is, makes alive. The, the insurance company doesn't know that. They think that their policy will, keep, will get you covered. But I have a policy that goes beyond the grave. If you've been baptized in his name, if you've been baptized in his name and filled with the spirit, you have a policy that goes beyond the grave. There's no... Uh, insurance company, Geico Progressive, can sell this policy because it goes beyond the grave. Hallelujah. In in John, Jesus was trying to reveal something. He, he told them something supernatural. He says it's the spirit, the invisible thing you can't see that gives life. This flesh profiteth, profiteth nothing, meaning it's going to die. It's inevitable if we live long enough eventually there's going to be a day when we draw our last breath. The words, though, that Jesus spake, he said, they are spirit and they are life. And we saw that in the creation, that every time God spoke something, something happened. Amen. And I've said it so many times, the three words, let there be. Lord, let there be life in me. Let there be blessing in me. Let there be direction in me. And if God speaks it, the answer is... Amen. You guys know it. We got that down now. When God speaks, let there be. The only possible answer is, and it was so. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we could get to that place that we let God speak into our lives. Amen. And it was so. You know, 2,000 odd years ago, the angel came to Mary and said, listen, something's going to be happening to you. Something's going to be conceived in your womb. And essentially, you know what she said? Let it be so. Let it be as, as you have spoken. Amen. Many times God wants to speak into our lives and we start questioning him. Instead of just saying, 
Let it be so. Let it be so, Lord. Let, let your blessing, let your power, let your goodness flow into my life. Even if that also involves some suffering, even if that involves some pain, let it be so. Amen. Jesus here was saying that the first covering was his spirit. That's what gives eternal life. It's the breath of God that is life. It's his words. He says, the words that I speak, and they are spirit and they are life. And in Luke, Jesus went on to explain some more. Man shall not live by bread alone. But how? You know, I really am living, and I told you this before, on one word. I'm living on one word. I believe God spoke to me. That word was come. You go get your own word. That one is mine. <laughs> because when I look at my life, I know, and I'm not boasting except in him, that he's enabled me to walk on water. How, how I got through some stuff, I don't know. The only explanation is he told me, come. And I got out the boat. And I've been walking on some water. Not because anything to do with me, but just the one word. Just the one word. Amen. Let it be so. So when man sinned, of course, we know that immediately they lost that covering. And suddenly now they could see themselves. <laughs> Some of us may not like looking in a mirror. <laughs> Some of us, when we get out the bathroom, we may not really want to look too good in the mirror. It's, it's maybe a blessing we don't have eyes in the back of our head, isn't it? I have to ask my wife or she'll say, can't you see what you got going on back there? <laughs> Some of us, we can't see ourselves. Amen. Some of us, we, we, are, we are at the point where we, we, we um, suddenly see a mirror. This is what happened to Adam and Eve when they lost that covering. Suddenly, they could see themselves. And they were ashamed. I wasn't as good as I thought I was. When the glory of God, when that Shekinah glory disappeared, they could no longer see God's glory. What they saw was their flesh. And they were ashamed and embarrassed and they hid themselves. They hid themselves. A lot of people are hiding from God. You know that? Because... Satan, on top of that, is holding up a mirror and showing you all your faults and failures and all the things that are wrong with you. Stay to second service because I have a message on that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So God had to do something. God had to do something because now the Shekinah glory covering from man had gone. And this is when I believe God brought the blood. The Bible says when he went and looked for Adam and Eve, he couldn't find them right away. Of course, he knew where they were, but he wanted them to, to come out to him. God knows where you were. God knows what you're involved in. As I said Tuesday, the father knew that the son was out there somewhere, but it was for the son to come home. And what did he do? I said it Tuesday night. What did he do? He covered him up. The father was quite away from home. He didn't want everyone to see his son all torn up and messed up walking back to the house. So right where he was, he called for what? The best robe. So nobody could see the condition of the son that he had been living with pigs. See what God did? He covered him. He covered him. God will always cover us if we come to him. He's covered me so many times. He hasn't let all my faults and failures be on display. Amen. So he looked for Adam and Eve, and he said, where art thou? And they said, we're hiding. <laughs> Reminds me of Chris when he was three and four. I told you that story, right? We'd play hide and seek, and he would go behind the closet door, and I'd say, are you in there? 
and he would say, no. <laughs> you know, that's what we do with God. We think we're hiding from him. And we're saying, God is saying, where are you? Where art thou, Adam? I'm not here. <laughs> but God immediately knew there had been a change in the covering. He said, who told you you were naked? Isn't that a strange question? Instead of saying something else like, why are you hiding? The first thing God asks is, who told you you were naked? Because he realized that the glory that had covered them was gone. Who told you were naked? Who told you were naked? And so God had to provide something new. He had to provide a covering. But he couldn't make a new covering because we know in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31 and Genesis 2 and 1 that the Bible said he ended all of his creative works. He had gone into his Sabbath of rest. And so God could only now fix the problem with what he had already created. Because you notice that the end of the first day, it says in the evening and the morning, Erevan Boker was the first day. And it goes on every day, the sixth day, the evening and the morning. But the seventh day, God is still in his Sabbath of rest. There was no close to that yet, but it's coming to an end. That's the, that's the thing. Because he's going to have to make a new heaven and a new earth. Because the Bible says the former things will have passed away. But you see, God had a problem with Adam and Eve because he wanted to help them, but he could not break his Sabbath. He had entered his rest. So he had to provide a covering with what he already had created. And so the Bible tells us that he clothed them with the skins. He made covering a coat with the skins of an animal. Now the only way you're going to do that is the animal is going to die. And so there was a blood sacrifice. And that provided the covering for Adam and Eve. Now Adam and Eve had made a covering, as I've told you before, but it could only cover the outside. Only God can cover the inside. Only God's blood can cover the inside. In fact, in the New Testament, it tells us that we should have our hearts sprinkled from a guilty conscience. It's not that I'm perfect. It's not that I'm especially good. I'm, I'm tempted to preach, but I'm, not, I'm trying not to preach. I'll, I'll wait till second service. But God created this thing for a, a temporary covering, the blood. And that's why in Leviticus, he tells them, now I have given you the blood for an atonement. For the life, the nifesh, the soul is covered by the blood. And it's, it's interesting that in Hebrew, Adam means red man or, or from the earth. Hadam. And also in Hebrew, dam means blood. Hadam. So there's a, a play upon words there. It's the Adam needed the Hadam. The blood. The blood as a covering. Here is the scripture. In Leviticus 17, 11, See, I used to wonder, Lord, why, why did you decide to make animal sacrifices? What, what, what does that do? You could have come up with anything, and yet you chose to kill animals. But it really wasn't so much that God wanted this. It was the only way he could provide a covering for man's soul was to use some other animal's blood. And it had to be an animal that was innocent, and that's why it could only be certain animals. Because some animals are smart enough to have a sense of wrong and right. Like dogs, right? You can say stay. And they know when they're disobeying you, right? But there are certain animals that act purely on instinct, like sheep. If a sheep jumps, the one behind is going to jump at the same place. Just because he's following the other one. So God chose the blood of an innocent animal to be the covering for man's soul at the point of death. And that's why it says that the life is in the blood. And he also provided a coat of skin, which is the immune system. That's where all of your, 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 your bacteria and all of that stays outside. I read somewhere that on each square centimeter 
of your skin, there's 500 million little critters trying to get in. So we are covered by that skin now and the blood. He made coats of skin. The skin is your first defense to infection. So the skin protected the body, but the blood was the protection for the soul. It took two things now to cover man before it was just God's glory. But all of this was temporary. All of this was temporary. Because man was now going to die. This flesh was going to die and his soul would need a covering in death. And God instituted all these ceremonies to symbolize what was going to happen. As we talked about in the tabernacle, the first thing that you saw when you came into the outer court was this thing called the brazen altar. And it was on this that the animal was sacrificed. First they would kill it, they would take its blood, and they would pour it on the earth, around the altar and into the altar. And then the body was burned. Because the brazen altar symbolizes the place of judgment. That animal was in our place. It was the substitute. And this was all that God could do for now. So they killed the bullocks and the priests received the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Likewise, when they had killed the rams, they sprinkled the blood upon the altar. They killed also the lambs and they sprinkled the blood upon the altar. All of this... The revelation is, was not because of when you were alive. The sacrifices were not because when you were alive, but they were there for when you died. Because when you died, what do you have? A naked soul. Because when this flesh disappears, there is something inside of you that is the essence of you, that is immaterial, that is not physical. And now it has nowhere to live. So without the sacrifice, the blood covering... That soul would go to the place of destruction and die. But if in your lifetime you had made the sacrifices, there was a temporary covering for your soul. That's the revelation. That's why there was a necessity for the animal sacrifice. It wasn't that God wanted this, but it was his means until, until the prophecy in Genesis that the seed of the woman would eventually come. Amen. Because this represented the place of hell. In the body, there's a place, you want to, if you want to call it hell, where the same thing happens. Where the blood cells, when they find an infection, they surround it, the white blood cells, and they take it to a place of destruction. It's called the lymph nodes. And in the lymph nodes, the, the, that bacteria, whatever it is, is destroyed and that then goes into your intestines and comes out. You, you understand what I'm saying. And so in the body, the, the place of destruction is called the lymph nodes. But for the flesh and for your spirit, the place of destruction, we call it hell. And so in the Old Testament, God modeled this and told the Jews they had to provide a covering, a blood covering for their souls. We went. Let me go back here one more time and I'll read it. Leviticus 17.11, for the life of the flesh... And again, that word is nefesh, which means the soul. For the soul of the flesh is in the blood. We see that very clearly when Cain killed Abel. God said, his blood cries out to me. Because that's where his soul was. Amen. We're talking about the sign of the woman. And all of this is tied in to a woman. Now you want to say, how can this be tied into a woman? Well, we're going to get there. As I said, hell was the literal place of judgment. But in the Old Testament, if you had sinned, you could provide a covering for when you died. For when your soul no longer had a physical vessel to dwell in. And so blood was received by the symbolic place of judgment, that is the brazen altar, for the literal place of judgment, which was hell. And so you understand now why Jesus, who became the sacrifice first had to go to hell with his own blood. Leviticus 18, 19, and they killed it and Moses sprinkled the blood upon the ground, upon the altar, on the earth. When Jesus was killed and they brought the spear and put it in his side, what came out? And it went upon the rocks and what happened to the rocks? They rent in twain. See, the, the, the beauty of this and the revelation is the animal's blood 
could only protect your soul in hell. But it could not let you go. It wasn't strong enough to release you from hell. Why? Anyone remember why I said That's right. Because the animal had no choice. It didn't decide to give you its life. It didn't choose to save you. But then came Jesus, who said, For this cause came I into the world. John the Baptist seeing him, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Because when he died, when his blood came, the rocks could not resist it. The Bible says in Matthew 28 that when he arose, the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints arose. You see, that began our atonement day. Amen. We'll get to that. So the blood, the revelation is the blood was the covering in death. Again, for the life of the creature is in the blood. As I've said, mankind has tried to make artificial blood and they can't. Anyone here has donated blood? They, you know why? They, because they can't, they need it. They cannot, with all their smarts, with all their, you know, being able to make robots and things that can fool people, something that seems as simple as blood, they've been trying for the last hundred years, they can't do it. The life is in the blood, and I, I put that acronym up there, because love overpaid our debt. Because love overpaid our debt. The Bible says, or someone said, just one drop was an overpayment because he was sinless and he gave his life willingly. It wasn't like an animal who had to be tied down. The Bible says, Jesus said, no man taketh it from me, I lay it down. And because he was willing to do that, we have life. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is recounting all of these ceremonies and is about to tell us something really special. Let me just read it. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people, he would, he would repeat the law and start telling them that he would do the sacrifice and sprinkle the blood. It says, when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying... This is the blood of the testament, the covenant, which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law, under the law now, purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission, because there would be no covering in your death. This week we're talking about the life in the blood. Let me go back to Exodus again. He sprinkled it upon all the people. Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with all you concerning these words. Leviticus 6.27 then tells us this. Whatsoever shall touch the flesh thereof shall be holy. When something was consecrated, anything it touched also became consecrated. Amen. That's why you don't have to fear Going out in the world, if you have been consecrated, wherever you are is consecrated. You take your Holy Ghost with you. I don't leave it at home. I don't come to church and just pick it up on Sundays. You need to take it with you. God told Abraham, wherever you walk is going to be yours. Amen. You take your Holy Ghost with you. God was saying, whatever has been consecrated, anything that comes into contact with it becomes consecrated. That's why in the New Testament, Paul was explaining about the children of people who were saved, but who had not come to the age of understanding. He said, therefore, your children are consecrated. Why? Because they are still in the innocent. They can't make a choice. And because of you, they are consecrated. Whatsoever shall touch the flesh thereof shall be holy. Amen. Now, I said there's a connection with this thing and women. Remember, life in the blood. Now, um, when a woman reaches puberty, something starts to happen, right? There is a shedding of blood. Isn't that interesting? I know that most women hate that. It's not something that's pleasant. And when I was growing up, that's something you never talked about, never. That was like taboo. That was something 
never discussed. Of course, today they advertise it on TV and all kinds of stuff. There is, there is no taboo about it. But still, it's something that probably women wish God had done differently. But I want to tell you, it's a powerful reminder of what I'm trying to say, life in the blood. That all comes about because the, the, the uterus becomes engorged with blood, preparing for the possibility of an egg being implanted. And so before that happens, as the egg is released from the uh, ovaries down the fallopian tube, it start, the, the, the uterus starts to, to engorge with blood, and it starts to, the, the capillaries and all of the veins start to deliberately fill with blood so that it would be a source of life. It's a source of life. Now, there's more to it than that. I want, I want, to, I want to look, show you something. Isaiah 66, verse 2. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Now, new moon to new moon is speaking about the moon's monthly cycle. That's how they told the months it was from new moon to new moon. And it turns out that the average woman's cycle is the same, the same as the lunar month, about between 20 and 29 days. The average, now I know there's all differences. And it turns out too that there's something strange that can happen where women can get synchronized. You've heard of that. Anyone heard of that? Okay. If, if women are together a lot or are close, their cycles become synchronized. And it, becomes, it can become synchronized, too, with the cycle of the moon. Because God designed it that way that there would be the possibility. What that cycle is showing is that there is a possibility of life. Because without the shedding of blood, woman cannot give birth if there is no shedding of blood. You see how God designed it? See, the man is of the woman, and the woman is of the man. And God here was, was giving some little hints as to the mystery about the moon, because it turns out that it's from new moon to new moon. So I want you to look at that a little bit differently when that happens. That that's a promise of life. Those of you young women that are still in that phase, what God is showing is that the possibility of life the life that's in the blood. Blow, you, blow up the trumpet in the new moon in the time appointed on our solemn feast day. In the Old Testament, the new moon or the Sabbath, I hope it's not too warm. It was a little bit cold at first, so we'll try and turn it down a little bit. In the Old Testament, the new moons were worship days. So maybe... The next time you're in your cycle, you should think about that and say, Lord, I'm going to give you thanks because this is your promise, this is your pledge that without the shedding of blood, there can be no life. So they celebrated that in the Old Testament. It was a Sabbath day, the monthly new moon. It was a Sabbath day. And that's why the women were not to be touched during that cycle. They were not to be touched because of, of, of the cycle. On the first day of the first month shall thou set up the tabernacle. In fact, the tabernacle was always pitched also on a new moon. And thou shalt put therein the ark of the testimony and cover the ark with a veil. So it turns out that the lunar cycle and the women's cycle on average now, I know there's a wide variation, but scientists have studied that on average it is about the same. So on the new moon... When that used to come in the Old Testament, they would, they would have a Sabbath day and they would celebrate. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. In fact, in the millennium, there is going to be a commemoration of that in Ezekiel 46 verse 1. And this now is symbolizing birth. Now, I want you to read this with that in mind. It's speaking about the new temple. When Jesus returns and sets up the temple, 
There is going to be a gate called the Eastern Gate, which is closed. But it's going to be opened. Let me read it. Thus saith the Lord God, the gate of the inner court that looketh towards the east shall be shut the six working days, but on the Sabbath it shall be opened. And in the day of the new moon, it shall be opened. It's interesting that Jesus was born of a woman, but in the symbol of the tabernacle, he will be going back into the temple. I don't know if you get it. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. It was the blood that was the covering on the Passover. Whoever was inside the house when the blood was daubed on the lintel was saved. And the blood shall be a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, the destroying angel cannot touch you. Because there is life in the blood. If Jesus' blood, symbolically through the Holy Spirit, is covering you, the death angel's got to pass over. The destroying angel has got to pass over. Listen, the Bible says you are seated in heavenly places. If you are filled with the Spirit, you don't die, you just change. I don't, you know, the, you, you, remember that Monopoly game? You, you land on a thing and it'd say, go to jail. We don't go to jail. We, we, we pick up the card that says, pass by and you go right to heaven. When we die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. It's all in this thing that God gave with the woman having a monthly cycle. In the curse, he said there would be sorrow in childbearing. But even in that, it was the promise that there would be life. Amen. There would be a promise that there would be life. Now, I want to go into the Old Testament. And I want to show you how, in this case, the shedding of blood saved a situation. Jacob decided he was going to return home and he wanted to take his whole family with him. But Rachel, for some reason, decided she wanted to hold on to her father's images, his idols. And so she took them and hid them, unbeknownst to everyone. And Jacob stole away unawares to Laban the Syrian in that he told him not that he fled. So he fled with all that he had, and he rose up and passed over the river and set his face towards the Mount Gilead. And now, verse 30, And now thou wouldest needs be gone, because thou source longest after my father's house. Yet wherefore hast thou stolen my gods? He realized that, that someone had taken his stuff. So he chased after Jacob, and he demanded it be given back. But of course, Jacob didn't know anything about it. He said, listen, he was indignant. How dare you accuse me? I've not stolen anything from you. You've cheated on me ten times. <laughs> you try to change my wages. How, now you come accusing me of stealing stuff because he didn't know what Rachel had done. And so he said, listen, fine, you can search anything. Go, go through all my camp, whatever, because he was sure there was nothing there. And of course, it would have been a big trouble if, if, if it had been found out that it was there. But you know the story, because she was having her monthly, in essence she was saved by the shedding of blood. Genesis 31, 33, and Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and unto the two maidservants' tents, but he found them not. Then went he out of Leah's tent and entered into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the images and put them in the camel's furniture and sat upon them. And Laban searched all the tent, but found them not. And she said unto her father, Let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise up before me, for thee, for the custom of women is upon me. And he searched, but found not the images. Now I'm not saying what she did was right, but it shows you two times now that the woman was saved, in essence, by the shedding of blood. She used that as her pretext for not letting him search where she was sitting. And she got away with it. The same thing, in essence, happened to Eve. Because of the fact that 
now there was this monthly cycle, there was a possibility that sometime in the distant future, there was going to be a savior. There's a song that I can't remember the name of, but it says that the child that you are carrying, Mary, don't you know? The sign of the virgin. We're in this Christmas season, and as I said before, we know he wasn't likely born at Christmas, but we know that he was born. And because he was born, because he came, because of the possibility that there can be life, amen, because there can be a shedding of blood, because of that, we can rejoice today, amen. All these other people died doing all of these sacrifices. They had to kill all these animals. They had to take the blood and sprinkle it for the time of their death. They had to go through all of these things. As I said, I would hate to be a priest in the Old Testament. I'd have, I'd have to, I'd, you would have to learn to be a butcher, right? You'd have to learn how to cut up animals. You would have had to bring your turtle dove today. You'd have had to bring your goat. You'd have had to bring your lamb. In Jesus' time, they were still doing that. And in fact, it became a business, right? Because the priests would have to inspect the animal and say whether it was suitable for offering, whether it was good enough to be sacrificed. And of course, what they were doing was rejecting them so that the people would then be forced to buy their animals. That was the scam that was going on when Jesus went in the temple and turned over all that. He said, you've made this, this into a, a, a money changer's house. You've, you've made this into a business because the priests were de- deliberately rejecting perfectly good animals so that the people then would have to be forced to buy their animals. That was what was going on. And all of this had been going on for 2,000 years until Jesus came. All these people who righteously did what God commanded. The Bible says in Hebrews, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. Not having received the promises. Aren't you glad you're not born in medieval times, under Old Testament times? No matter how hard life is right now, we now can receive the promise. All of these people in the Old Testament up until Jesus came died having not received the promises. They had to go through all this animal sacrifice. But you know what? They believed. And because they believed, the Bible says about Abraham, righteousness was accorded because of his belief. But having seen them afar off, they saw the promises. Moses was able to go up to Mount Nebo. And although he couldn't get there, God did show him and showed him the land that would happen. He died having in his flesh. After leading these people for 40 years through all all of their tribulations and come so close. That's a, that's a message for each of us. Don't let the, the, the world and people make you come so close and then, you know, you blow, blow your cool and you lose out crossing over. He came this close. He came to be able to see it in the flesh and still not be able to go through. All these died not having received the promises, but they saw it afar off. And embraced and believed. Abraham was a very rich man for his day. And yet in all his life he never built a house. He lived in tents his whole life. Why? Because the Bible said he sought for a city whose builder and maker doesn't have hands. He believed so much even though he couldn't fully understand. He could have built himself a mansion. He could have built himself a house. That's why we have to understand We are on a journey. This is not it. If it was it, then this would be terrible. As I said at the beginning, if this was it, we would be above uh, men most miserable. If this was all there was, but it's not. We have the possibility to receive the promise. But having seen them afar off, we're persuaded of them and embrace them and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. See, The song says, I'm just a passing through. This world is not my home. 
Amen. My citizenship is really somewhere else. Amen. It's somewhere else. And these all having obtained a good report through faith receive not the promise. Now verse 40 is the spectacular verse. God having provided some better thing for us. This is the reason you don't have to bring no animal sacrifices for your soul today. All you have to do is be filled with his spirit. That's all you have to be doing is truly filled with his spirit. God having provided some better thing for us. Amen. When he died and he said, Father, into thy hands commend I my spirit. So that 50 days later, there came a sound. As of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled all the house where they were. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire. That was the better thing. After that, when the veil was ripped in two, no more blood sacrifice. Because Jesus became our sacrifice. Amen. God having provided some better thing for us. Isn't that awesome? That's the sign of the virgin. When the angel came and said, for the power of the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you, and the thing that shall be conceived shall be called the Son of God, the Son of the Highest. Amen. When the angels came to the shepherds, they said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. See, God was not going to be angry with, with us anymore. David caught a vision of it. He said, blessed is the man or woman whom the Lord will not impute sins. Isn't that, isn't, think about that. God chose to just ignore and still say, I love you. I care for you. There's nothing you can do to stop me being, you know, my children may, I, I don't think any of them hate me, but if they did, it wouldn't matter because there's nothing they can do to stop me loving them or being their father. There is nothing you can do to stop God loving you. The father will be there looking afar off every day for that son or for that daughter to return. And as soon as they come, he will provide the covering. He took away that son's shame. He didn't have to walk back to the house looking worse than a slave. Because the Father had covered him. Father had covered him. God having provided for us some better thing. That without us, they should not be made. They had to wait. They had to wait till Jesus come. Amen. Here is the better thing. Verse 23 says, It was necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified. With these, it's speaking about Jesus' blood. The blood of bulls and goats couldn't fix stuff in heaven. Only Jesus could. Why was heaven defiled? Well, where do you think Satan rebelled from? From heaven. That's why in Revelation 12, it says he's going to be cast out. Revelation 12 starts out, there was war in heaven. And the devil and his angels fought, and Michael and his angels fought. They did not prevail. And he was cast down. And that beautiful verse says, Now has come salvation. Now has come salvation. You know, it's my personal belief, and this is just my belief. When the angel says, Now has come salvation, that will be the moment of the rapture. Now has come salvation. It goes on to say, Rejoice, ye heavens. And we'll be able to rejoice. I don't know about you, but every now and then I think about what it will be like to realize I made it. Can you think about that for a moment? What would it be like to realize that you are in God's company? That this mess down here you don't have to deal with anymore? And all the struggles, the fights, the persecutions... You don't have to deal with anymore. When that angel says, now has come salvation and the kingdom and the power of our God. And he goes on to say, rejoice, ye heavens. Of course, he says, woe 
to the inhabitants of the earth. In Revelation, I believe 11, in his vision, John sees a woman and she's pregnant. I'm talking about the sign of the virgin. And she's pregnant. And he sees a great red dragon hanging around waiting for the delivery. Do you understand that the great red dragon is waiting around trying to devour you? Trying to kill you? Trying to destroy your faith? Trying to make you give up? Trying to make you think it's not real? See, but it didn't happen. I told you I cheated. I went to the end of the book and I read what happened. I read what happened. Finally, at the end, the angel comes down with a great old chain. And he binds that serpent. He binds him. It says, right now, you see, this better thing is that Christ now is acting as our high priest. See, the day of atonement for us began when he said it's finished. On the day of atonement in the Old Testament, the people were declared perfect. Once the high priest went behind the veil and the bells on his garment kept on ringing, then he would come out. And he would lift up his hand. And he would do a Hebrew letter called a shin. That's where they got the Star Trek thing from, you know. The shin. And he would pronounce the name of God over the people. And the moment he did that, God counted as if they were perfect. Their sins for that year were forgiven. You understand when Jesus said it is finished, it is paid in full, all who accept him, their sins are forgiven. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sins to. It's not that I have not been sinful, but God is saying, listen, case dismissed. It's been paid, paid in full, paid in full. See, in Revelation 12, it speaks about why they should rejoice. It says, because the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them day and night. Day and night, he's trying to to try and say, look what they did. Hey, under your law, you need to punish them. But all Jesus has to do is is point to his blood, paid in full. Verse 24, for Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands. Because anything you can see is temporal. Which are the figures, they were just models of the thing that was in heaven. But Christ has entered into where? Heaven itself. I've got the very, 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 very best attorney. You can't hire him. He's not Habush and Habush. <laughs> He's not Geraci or what's the other one that always comes down? I've got the greatest attorney that you cannot buy. He does this work pro bono because he loves me. But into heaven itself. Why? Now to appear defending me. Satan can make all his accusations. And say, he's done this, he's messed up, he didn't do this, he, he did that. And my attorney's just saying, it's already paid for, look, right here. Right here. It's paid for, right here. Right here. Right here. This is the better thing that those in the Old Testament could not do. The only thing they could bring was their sheep, their goat. But today, when we say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon you. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. He didn't have to go and repent first. The high priest, before he started his day of atonement, he first had to do his own sin offering. Before he even started the ceremony. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. Which are just figures, symbols, models. But into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. In Revelation chapter 3 we see that. John starts off in his vision, and where does he see Christ? Standing in the holy place. He's amongst the seven candlesticks, which are revealed to be 
the churches. He's here right now. If God would open supernaturally our eyes, I believe we would see this place filled with angels. As the song says, we are standing on holy ground. Because when I cry out and ask for forgiveness, my advocate says, paid in full. When he said it's finished, they say that Greek word, telestai, means exactly that. Paid in full. That's what they used to stamp on bills when they were finished. You ever paid off some big thing and got the last thing and it shows balance zero? (laughs) Don't you feel good when you get that? And it shows balance zero. (laughs) What I want to tell you is that because of the sign of the woman, when you come to Christ, balance zero. (laughs) We can rejoice. Rejoice, ye heavens, for the accuser of your brethren has been cast down. Amen. Because there is life in the blood. Now, I'm going to wrap this up pretty soon. Timothy reveals something we didn't know in the Old Testament. 1 Timothy 2.15 And Adam was not deceived. Adam was not deceived. And this is why he's a model, people don't understand this, of Christ. Because he knew what Satan was saying was not true. But by the time she came with the fruit, she'd already eaten it. She'd already eaten it. He had a choice. Just like Jesus became sin, Adam too became sin. The Bible reveals that. The woman being deceived was in the trans... Adam... Adam knew he made a choice to share whatever judgment the woman was going to go through. Jesus chose to share, in fact, not just share, take the judgment that we deserve. That's why he's called the second man, Adam. But verse 15 gives us the revelation about the sign of the woman. Notwithstanding the fact that she was deceived... Here's the revelation. She shall be saved in childbearing because of the shedding of blood. God designed it that way, that even in the process of childbearing, every month there is a reminder of the possibility of life. It was the fact that there could be a seed of the woman to crush his head. That's Genesis 3.15. He told the serpent, listen, okay, there's going to be war now. I see where you're going. Because of this, there's going to be war. You tried to destroy my children. But there is coming another son. You took away their covering and I had to substitute this blood offering. But there is coming another son. And he is going to stamp on your head. He is going to destroy your head. And I've told you, that's why, that's why Satan knew who Jesus was. And that's why every temptation, he started off with, if thou be a son of God. He was trying to challenge his sonship. Because he knew that if a son of God showed up, he has no power. If a son of God shows up, all he can do is lie. If a son of God shows up, all he can do is deceive. Because Jesus, when he died, said in Matthew 28, All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Now, if that's true, you know what Satan's got? Zilch. Zero. Nada. The only thing he's got is lies. He can deceive you and make you think he has power. But Jesus said, All power in heaven and in earth is now given unto me. And I have the keys of hell and the grave. Not only that, in Revelation it says that when John saw the Lamb, every knee and every creature cried out in worship. Every knee is going to bow. Isn't it? Amen. You can stand with me. I'm going to finish a little early today. Neither by the blood of goats and of calves, but by his own blood, 
he entered in once into the holy place. Now, I put in yellow some important words there. And having obtained eternal, eternal, I'm not saying you can sin limitlessly. What I'm saying is that Father is still there watching for you to come back. That's what I'm saying. Father never left the house. He's there. He was looking afar. He saw him afar off and said, that's my son. He looks a mess. He's been living with pigs. His life's messed up. But I'm going to cover him. Let's get the best robe. Not just any robe. Get my best robe. If there's nothing else that you can remember is that the sign of the virgin is the covering. God covers our sins. And then he washes them clean. Amen. The Bible says in Revelation they overcame him by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. We should be so grateful. I don't know about you, but when I, when I teach, I'm speaking to myself. And as I speak, speak these words, the power of it comes, comes really home to me, what God did. And his great plan of salvation, even in the sign of the woman, which is the ability, the promise of life. His sacrifice, though, was just once. Just once. And it says, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. As I said, they tried to sell me some insurance. And I turned it down. They sent me a second letter saying, we sent you a first letter. We're giving you another chance. They don't understand. My insurance is so much better. Amen. The policy has been paid in full. I don't have any premiums due. Amen. And I get to collect eternal life. Amen. If I die, I win. It's the one policy where you can inherit. You know, on earthly policies, if you die, it's your family that inherits. But with the heavenly policy, when you die, you inherit. Think about it. The sign of the virgin. God is so good. God is so awesome. Amen. We're going to close our Bible study, our Sunday study, and we will start our second service at quarter past. Amen. And I have a message today. I have a message today. Let us give thanks. One of these days, one of these days, it's going to happen. And we're going to realize that suddenly in the twinkling of an eye, we're in a different place. The Bible said the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And it says the dead in Christ, all those who died, shall rise. And then it says, we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Be encouraged, not discouraged. Every day is one day closer. And I believe, I believe it's in my lifetime. Amen. I believe it's in my lifetime. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you this morning for your great word. Lord God, that you gave the sign, hallelujah, to the virgin. Hallelujah, that a virgin shall conceive. And because of that, Lord, we are here today to worship your name. That you have forgiven our sins. That you have cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Lord, we ask right now, Jesus, for your co continued covering. Bless us today. Help our faith to rise. To stand upon your word. Oh God, because you have given us a better thing. Your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Lord, that our hearts can be sprinkled, Lord Jesus, from an evil conscience. Today, Lord God, help us to worship you. To give you thanks. To lift up your name. To give you all the glory and the praise. We thank you.